0: Good morning, all. Praise God. You want to turn to Isaiah chapter 58. I have that open. Isaiah chapter 58. Praise God. From time to time, you get invited in to go to a church that's maybe stopped or stalled. Could be a small church, could be a new church, could be a big church, whatever. But so often, the problems that you find that have caused the church to stop, are not complicated. They're so basic, it's ridiculous. Same with Christian lives. You visit Christians whose lives have derailed. And you go in there and you, you talk to the people. And you so often find the problem is not rocket science. The problem is a lack of prayer, a lack of attendance with the fellowship or whatever. Something really simple. So this is a new series. It's the second week called Ready, Steady, Go. Because most often the things that stall churches or the things, the the, the reason why churches can't even get started is because they're not ready in prayer, same as individuals. They're not steady in discipleship or they're just simply not going in evangelism. So that's our title, that's our goal, that's our aim, both personally and collectively. Last week we began by looking at just different types of prayer, when to pray and how to pray. We saw that everything was founded upon private prayer. If you don't have that, you've got nothing. All you've got is leaves. All you've got is show. We would look through different types. Family prayer, church prayer, etc. Today we're going to look at types of prayer. It's quite a different thing. And if I can be blunt with you, I would say, oh, put a percentage on it. The number of Christians who don't know how to pray, even if they've been saved for 20 years, even if they're in church every Sunday... The number of the percentage of Christians who don't understand the mechanics of basic prayer, huge. Huge. You can tell that by the lack of success, by people praying the same prayer for like 20 years and not seeing answers. So no, I don't think we've got this right at all. One of the reasons we haven't got it right is because I think we're extremely religious when it comes to prayer. Prayer is a, the the types of prayer are a whole toolbox, And I think one of the basic mistakes we make is we keep on using the wrong tool for the wrong job. There are many types of prayer, many facets to prayer. And if you only understand one, you'll never be able to build that house, as it were. There's a whole kit involved in prayer right throughout the Bible. And surely it's a good place to start in our Christian lives, is to really understand this topic Churches struggle with it. There is no question in my mind. I was in a very large church of about 20,000 in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix First Assembly. Very famous church in America. And I was with one of the full-time staff pastors there. And his job was prayer. That's it. He was a full-time prayer pastor. And he had been with the church something like 30 years. So I was fascinated to get to that man. And I had the privilege of going out for dinner with him, actually. And I was saying to him, Tell me, how on earth do you get a church From two or three hundred to twenty thousand. I mean you were the person in charge of the prayer. All those years. What did you do? Please tell me. And he began to to, to just you know through that evening. Tell me about the different things that make a church grow. And how fundamental prayer was. He began by saying you've got to watch the weirdos. Yeah. You've got to watch the weirdos. People who draw attention to themselves. They try to kill the worship to distract you whilst you're worshiping and they will always try and kill your prayer meeting. And pastors are not strong enough. They they feel intimidated. They They sometimes feel as if they'll seem as if they're not spiritual because somebody does something or whatever that is distracting the people. He said you've got to watch the weirdos. You've got to watch those who draw attention either away from worship so that when you're worshipping, you're, you're, you know, someone's distracting you. And you've also got to watch it in your prayer. Right? Now, people will try and distract in a, a thousand ways. You know, what they say, what they pray, what they wear. All those things to get attention on themselves. And you have got to spot them. And as a pastor, as a leader, as a cell leader, and you pastors out there around the world, you must spot those people. And you must deal with those people. You know? And it's, it's not easy. It's not simple. But I was shocked that that was the first thing he drew my attention to. The second thing he said, typical church prayer meeting, our prayer meetings here is on Friday night. You may have your prayer meeting whatever day. But typically a church would appoint someone to lead that night. And that person should be given the honor and the respect to do so. So, for example, example, say we say to Leanne, we want you to lead next Friday's prayer. She's given about four days notice normally. She'll fast, she'll pray, she'll go before God. And she'll come in here with what she believes is our target. And his second point to me was, you'll never build a church unless the leader is able to lead. See, this is what happens. Leanne will get up and put up the list. Someone will get up and take the mic and pray about something completely different. Hang on. You're not leading. You need to learn to follow as well as lead. And you're not leading this night. And you may well have something on your heart But learn to follow the leader. Amen? Amen. Learn to be a follower as well as a leader. And the person will have a list that we've got to target. So his first point, watch the weirdos. Second point, be careful that no one derails the leadership in terms of the target in prayer. Or you'll never hit anything. You see? And it can seem unspiritual when you say to someone, I don't want you to pray. Another thing he said, when people come forward to pray, don't let them teach. Some people want to share, you know, what they learned that afternoon. Busting to tell everybody. It's not a teaching meeting. It's a prayer meeting. He said, don't let them preach. Because when you put a mic in somebody's hand, that's what they want to do, right? Don't let them teach. Don't let them preach. Get them to pray. And get them to be short. Sharp and sweet. Sound spiritual? You see, Jesus often warned about long flowing prayers, didn't he? All the time. He never liked it. Never liked it. In fact, his prayers were short. He said, you've got to keep them short. By the way, that rule doesn't apply to everybody. So often on Friday nights, sometimes I've had to go to some of you and say to you, you're praying too long. I want you to shorten up. And most often the, the reaction I get is, "Huh? you don't say that to him. You don't say that to her. No, I don't. Because the same rule doesn't apply to everybody. Some people can get up here and pray for 10 minutes, amen, and lift the place don't stop them. But other people are not anointed in the same way. With other people, you start to switch off after about two minutes and they disengage the congregation. You have to stop that happening. The safest way is keep them short, sharp and sweet. Another thing he said, when you've got your church prayer meeting, make sure the people know the difference between public prayer and private prayer. Not all prayers need to go over the mic. And people can make a very embarrassing mistake on that one. Praying things that they should never pray. So I'm just saying, in terms of like prayer meetings and leading churches, it is not that simple. And often what seems unspiritual is actually the very thing to do. Funny, isn't it? Now, the last, the last point was that he said, keep it simple. You hear so many people say, you know, you can't drive this demon out or that demon out unless you know its name. You know, and its email address, you know. It's not that complicated. There there is only one name that we need to know, right? Only one name. And if you concentrate on that, don't let them all in Western you know society, we're really bad at that. We overcomplicate everything. Okay? Now I'm very pleased with our prayer, the growth of the prayer ministry in the church, but we've got a long way to go. And today is really I hope a start in that just looking at the different types of prayer. Let's go back to the beginning. I'll repeat what I said. I don't know how many of, of you here, please don't be offended at me, or you at home. I'm just telling you how I see it. I, I, I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think many people know how to pray. I don't. I don't think we've got the basics. We don't know how to start. We don't know where to start to get an answer. Forgive me for using an example from my own life. It's just a recent example. I've shared it with some of you before, but it's a very good example to show you how to function in prayer. I'm lying in bed at night, and I hear a voice—voices outside—and just the Holy Ghost speaks to me. Someone's been murdered, you know. And I wake Jeanette up. It's hard to wake Jeanette up, and you know, I say, "Hey, I—I—I I, I think somebody's been murdered." And I get up and I look outside, and I can't see anyone. Eventually. I look out the front window and there's six guys jumping over the fence. I look down, somebody's been. True enough, someone was murdered just behind our house. Well, I got work to do all week, you know, so I study and pray. That's a bad place. That really put me off living there. It really did because I couldn't concentrate with that. And those guys are still in the area, you see. I needed to move so I can do my work. Trouble is, I got no money. So what do you do? What are you going to do? I need a miracle. How do I, I've got no money, I'm living here, and I want to move, I'm living in A, I want to move to B, but I can't even afford a toilet in B, you know? I can't start. So what do you do? I'm going to pray for 30 years? I'm I? no, I need an answer right now. We're busy. Church is growing like a rocket. I need to get home with my work. I need to move now, right now, and I intend to move. What do you do? How do you get an answer to prayer? Well, this is what I did. Something you've got to do alone. I said to my wife, you stay at home. I'm going. And I went to the area I wanted the answer to prayer in. Verse Den. said, you stay there. I go alone. And I walked through the streets. And I'm listening. I'm waiting. I'm saying, God, I need an answer for a home here. Did you hear that? <laughs> Neither did I. Nothing. So I ringed you now. I'm on my way back. What happened? Nothing. A couple of weeks go by, going back down again. Back down, just walk down the street. Lord. Nothing. I think it was the fourth trip. About a month or something like that. Just standing in the street. Got it. Don't know what. I just got it. <laughs> and I rang you up. I said, i got it. Now, we've done this before. I've got it. I've got it in my spirit. The Lord is is in me. He's spoken to me. We're moving. And from that point on, man, you know, Jeanette's excellent. She just goes with the flow. And off we went. It was about four or five weeks later. We got a large sum of money and we're able to make that move. Right? I just want you to know, folks. You see, it's important for me. Men are stimulated by what they see, by vision, not just sexually, but also for everything else. I need to go and see. I need to put my foot on the ground and look At what it is I'm praying for. Amen? And some of you, if you're going to start a business or you're going to do something, whatever it is, if it's in stationery, go to Staples. Go and have a look at some stationery. Go and see. And through the vision, you get inspired. Through seeing, you begin to, you know, grasp something in the Spirit. And then there's a whole incubation period where you stand in faith. And that's what we're going to work on today. So what I want to do is start and take you through the seven steps for effective prayer. Okay? Number one, top of your list on your notes there. The first type of prayer is formal prayers. Pray, prayers, if you like, right? You will have heard of the Book of Common Prayer and things like that. Those things can be quite good. And as Pentecostals, we can disrespect that, and that's very unhealthy. There's nothing wrong with formal praying. Jesus prayed formally all the time. It's just that you don't see it in your English, you see, because the translation doesn't carry it. For instance, at the Last Supper, it says, And Jesus, taking the bread, lifted it up and gave thanks. But the word thanks, in English, that's not what he did. He lifted it up and he prayed a formal prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving. And then he prayed another formal prayer. So there is a place for formal written prayers, be they poems. Some cultures are very good at that. Or be they just a written prayer. You know, something really breaks inside you when you put things down on paper, you know. And we should practice this more often. So the first level of prayer is formal prayer. Normally for things that we're 100% sure that God wants. The second type of prayer, once you've got that basis, that foundation, is supplication. Now supplication is a pleading type of prayer. It's a prayer that you pray when you don't know if God is going to answer it. It's a prayer you pray. You know, you, maybe you're wishing for something or wanting something. And you don't know if it's God's will. You see, there's no point in faking faith because you can't. I'm standing in faith. Hang on, have you got faith? What am I doing walking around those streets down there? What I'm doing is I'm waiting for true faith. I'm waiting for the real thing. Right? Supplication is when you haven't got that. That's fine supplication is what you do when you don't know. You know, God answers, God changes his mind. You know, you may be praying for something in your life and you really want it and God says no. And you're just getting a stone wall. Do you know what? He might change his mind. If you keep praying in a few weeks' time, in a few months' God may change his whole and say, do you know what? I'm going to answer your prayer. I wasn't going to do this. But because you remember this Seraphonician woman, she went to Jesus, he was sitting at a table, and she said, Lord, she was pleading for her daughter, my daughter has a demon in her. And Jesus said, away, no. He said, no. In fact, the Bible says he answered her not a word. She didn't have a word from the Lord. See? Now, what did she do? Supplication. Oh, Lord, she cried. Please, you know, have mercy. Don't the children have the right to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table? She pushed it. Even when God said no, she pushed it. And he turns and he says, look at this. He changed his mind. I said, okay. So that you would see that supplication works with God. Look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. When, you, when she wanted the water to the change wine, Jesus said no. But she went straight out and told him to get ready the pots and do whatever he tells you. Right? That's a sort of a belief, an act there, that she knew supplication works. Right? So supplication is a prayer you pray. First your prayers, normal prayers. Then if you don't know the will of God, you can use supplication to entreaty God. It's a pleading type of prayer. Number three, the third type of prayer, so you start getting your engines running now, is the prayer of faith. And that's a prayer that's based on this, the Word of God. Right? That's why it's called the prayer of faith. Because you're believing either the written word, ideally the written word, or the prophetic word. I say ideally the written word because this is a more sure word of prophecy. And may God forgive me, but I'm always so much better in faith when I hear something than I read something. I've got it the wrong way around, haven't I? Are you like that? I'm always better. When God speaks to me and says something, I got all excited in faith. But that's not maturity, that's immaturity. Maturity is when I believe what I read. That's maturity. Because this is a more sure word. And the prayer of faith is first and foremost a prayer that believes this book. Right? You know what the Bible is? It is the infallible word of God. Cover to cover. Now, I've studied church history. I've been to Bible college. And, you know, I can tell you, folks, you wouldn't believe some of the history this book has been through. And many people fall away through that, I'm sure, You could testify to that, Tom, in in ICC and other places. But after you know going through college and looking at all the history of the scriptures and how they came together, I left that place with complete, you know, completely convinced that that is the Word of God, right? Cover to cover. Don't be fooled, right? That is His promise to me, and more than anything, He speaks to us out of it. He endorses it so that you will know that it is His Word, unbreakable. Stand it all over time when they they call it the anvil that's worn out many hammers. Because so many people have battered it and it's never shifted. So the prayer of faith is the prayer that stands on the written word. And yes, fine to stand on the prophetic word, that's fine. But try and make the scriptures, the written word, the basis for your prayers of faith. When I first got saved, I remember hearing a very reputable pastor once say this. And I was confused. He said, when you pray for something, you should pray once and then not pray again. If you pray again, you didn't have faith. You should pray once and then never pray again. Because the person who prays again is double-minded. And as much as in one sense he could be right on, on the prayer of faith, but I wouldn't put it the way he put it, it was a very confusing thing to say. And it was incomplete. The truth is that... By all means, you can pray once and see and have faith for the answer, but that's not the only type of prayer, right? In fact, Jesus commended two very different types of prayer in two different parables. If you remember the persistent widow, remember, she continued to pray, not just once or twice, but on and on and on. And she was commended, not for her faith, it wasn't a prayer of faith, for her persistence, Right? Again, I mean, it's a bit of supplication, but it's the persistent attitude that will not give up. He also commended the centurion. Not for his persistence. The centurion prayed one prayer, right? Went up to Jesus, asked him for one request, boom, got it. And he was commended for his faith. So it's an important point, guys. You see what Jesus is saying to you. If you've got faith, use it. If you, and use the prayer of faith. If you have not got faith, use supplication, right? And then you can pray in any circumstance. Are you with me? Do you follow that? There's no occasion where, you, do, where, you, can't, where you, can, you have to say, I can't pray. You can pray. It's just you've got to know how to pray. So if you're not sure that God wants this for you or is going to do this for you, continue in supplication. If God is going to do the thing, he'll put faith in you and you'll discern that and then you can stand on that faith and that's the fourth bit. That's the prayer of agreement. Once you've got the faith in you, now you can still pray and you've got faith yourself, but it's not manifesting. Are you with me? You, 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 you know, God's spoken to you. You've been in supplication. You've got a word inside you, but it's still not manifesting. Well, that's where the church comes in. It's the prayer of agreement, also known as petition, where you gather other people together to see the wonderful thing about the word of God is that you're able to share it. It's uh, It's amazing. I can go home, I can sit or go for a walk normally and pray, you know, for what to say on Sunday and God will speak to me. And you know the amazing thing? I can come in here and say it and you get it. Are you with me? Prophecy gets shared. That's the wonder, you know, the grace of God that does that for us. But it's the same for prayer. So if you get faith in something. God puts something in your heart and you have heard and you know that he's promised you ABC. What do you do? Answer, bring it to the church. Share it. Share it. Now you may choose wisely who you share it with like Jesus did. Choose people of faith. Choose people who are going to believe with you. And what happens is you, you can begin to aggressively see The manifestation of your promise. Agreement is a very important thing. Even Jesus needed agreement or sought it. Remember in Gethsemane. He's in Gethsemane and he wanted them. They're all asleep. He wanted them to come and agree with him. When you're not coming watch, he wanted that. Some people wonder why Jesus had to pray at all. I thought you said he was God, you know. Why does God have to pray? Well, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And it was the man part. It was that aspect, it was Jesus that needed to pray. well, guess what? you're flesh too, and you have a spirit, and you need to pray. If he needed to pray, I need to pray and if he needed or wanted, shall we say that agreement? man, I need that agreement, and that agreement is first and foremost with God Almighty, that between you know me and God, you and God, there's a complete agreement, a relationship like with Done with. He's got nothing in me. There's a, a communication ongoing between you and God. That's agreement. But if something's out of sorts, you've lost that power of agreement. Remember, the Pharisees came to Jesus one day, and they asked him a question, a bit like a prayer. They entreated him to say something about John the Baptist. And Jesus very quickly responded, "I'm not answering you until you put this right. What you, how you received John the Baptist." And it's the same for us. The prayer of agreement is first and foremost. Based upon my relationship with God. I've got to be in tune with Him. Secondly, for me as a married man, I've got to be in the right place with my wife. What does 1 Peter chapter 3 say? Keep a good relationship within the home, agreeing amongst yourselves, lest your what be hindered? Prayers. So disagreement within the home causes hindrance to prayers. And husbands, particularly, you would do very well to make sure that doesn't happen. You I've shared with you many times. We're like any other couple. From time to time, we disagree. Absolutely. But the one rule and praise God, in our house, no disagreement will last more than like two seconds. We'll sort it out, and we will sort it out now so that there's nothing between us. You can't afford to have that. not with God and not with a partner in marriage, I can tell you. Don't tolerate it, don't because you're being ripped off. Your prayers will not be answered. And lastly, agreement with the church, of course, that you should stay in good stead with your church so that you can pray together with them. So you begin to see the foundation and the progression of prayer. You start with, if you like, formal prayers, our Father or whatever, and a time where you pray. Supplication, if you don't know if it's God's will, you can can, use entreaty, you can go before God and plead your case, then you may hear, and that's the prayer of faith, when he puts faith Within you. If you're still not seeing success, even though you know that God has spoken to you, even though you know, God told me, He said this to me, why has it not happened? I've brought it to the church. We have prayed. It's still not working. Next step. Number five, start fasting. And the scriptures have many promises about this. In fact, that's your Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58 is, oh, I won't read the first few verses. But from verse 1 to verse 7, God talks about the type of fasting that actually brings an answer to prayer. Okay? And chapter 58, Isaiah 58 and verse 8, talks about what will happen for you and to you if you fast and pray. Correctly, mind you. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing, there you go, healing and answer to prayer, will quickly appear. Then your righteousness, sanctification... Will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rearguard, protection. Then you will call, look at verse 9. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. And this is connected to true fasting. I'm not going to go into it this morning, as I say. You can fast in all manner of ways, you know. Someone asked me just this week, should I fast regularly? Should I wait for the church to call a fast, or what? And well, the scripture is very, very, very clear on these things. You should have a regular time of fasting built into your life, religiously, as a habit, as a practice, once a week, once a month or whatever. You can fast in all manner of ways. You might choose to miss one meal or two. You might choose to fast for three, four, five days, whatever God leads you to do. You should do it individually, yourself, and and we need to do it more regularly as a church. Right, and We'll come back and look at that at another time. But particularly, I want you to see it in relation to prayer. And I want you to see where it fits. Yes, it should be a regular practice. right? Of course, it should be a regular practice. But if I'm not seeing an answer, if I'm praying for something, and I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I know I've got in my spirit, I've got to do something. I know that it's God's will for so-and-so to be saved or for this to happen or that to happen. Then you need to get more aggressive and Jesus, as he said in one instance, this, type, this kind can only come out with prayer and fasting, right? And then point six, the next type is aggressive type, is intercession. And you will hear that probably used of prayer more often than anything else. Look at the book of Hebrews a moment. Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter five and verse seven. And take a look at intercession in full pelt here with Jesus. This is a great, great example. Hebrews chapter five. And verse 7 tells us a little bit of insight into how Jesus prayed when he was on earth. During the day, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Do you see what it says there? How did Jesus pray? With loud shouts. And cries unto God. That's intercession. In fact, intercession is twofold. There's two aspects to it. One, it is aggressive prayer. It's prayer that pushes through the barrier and will not let go. Secondly, intercession is when you stand in the gap. How many of you have got unsaved relatives? How many? I should think just about everyone. Or unsaved flatmates or unsaved friends. Well, you can intercede. You can pray to God for them. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. And this is the most common use of this term intercession. As I'm sure from time to time you will have done something heroic in your life. One of the most heroic things I ever did was I nearly got myself locked up to get this guy out of trouble. This, is a, this guy was called Colin. Now, he was a drug dealer, and don't get the wrong image in your head of what a drug dealer is. And There's some very bad guys out there. This was not one of them. He was a simple-minded man who just happened to be born in the wrong street at the wrong time and got addicted to drugs, but he helped me so much in the church. And he used to sell ecstasy to feed his own habit. But Colin was a gentleman, a simple mind, but a gentleman, and I felt very sorry for him. His little mother used to make him bread rolls and come down to the street and feed him, hoping that the food would make him not want heroin. Sad and lovely, lovely man sometimes we get stereo, stereotypical images and they're not true you see he was a he was a nice guy anyway the police did a raid and they caught him with 38 ecstasy tablets in a plastic bag and they held up the bag in front of him and they said and it was read out in the court are these yours and his reply was they might be that's what he said wrong answer <laughs> they might be what do you mean they might be so he ended up he was going to be facing quite a serious prison sentence for that. They were clamping down because Veronica Guerin had just been shot in Dublin. And I ended up in the in the witness box for him, you know. And on the day we were praying for the best judge we could get and we ended up getting the worst one. A famous, famous judge, won't mention any names. And, sh- you know, she was notoriously strict in her court. You don't move. You don't breathe. I mean, your phone goes off. You're, you're in trouble. I mean, trouble. Serious. She's infamous like seven days she was tough 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 cookie everybody dreaded getting her we come in it's her so I'm in the witness box and Collie's standing doesn't know which way's up and she's totally intolerant to drug addicts so she's going yes what is it I said judge I know you see people all day every day so do I actually we run a drop-in center get on with it well, 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 it's just that Colin's not like so many others. I, I, I know him. Is that it? I said, no, but he's got a good mum, who looks after him. Oh, quiet. And she got her pen. And I thought, I can't speak. I'm told to be quiet now. So I left a little bit of time, and she's fiddling around. I reckoned that he would never make it. I reckoned he'd kill himself. That's what he said to me. He said, I can't hack it. Those men in prison Frighten me. I'll kill myself. He said it again and again. So in the dark, I thought, I'll speak. I said, Your Honor, with all due respect, and she looked, you spoke in my court. With all due respect, what I'm saying to you is, this man is a little different from, be quiet. She fiddles around with her paper. Now you got a choice to make. Seven days is not that long. (laughs) I thought, so, like, a little bit of moment goes by, and I think, Your Honor, with all due respect. And she didn't stop me. I said, He's got a mom. He's not like the others. I know this, that, and the other. And I pleaded his case, and in the end, she said, Quiet. My head went down, and she seemed like forever to me. And she looked up, and she never addressed me again, she just spoke to the man. And she said, there must be something special about you, young man. Because all day I get them in here, wasting our time. But I'm going to let you go in his charge. And we had to reappear six months later. Do you know what that is? Intercession. She wouldn't have done it for him. right? And this is the wonder of being a born-again Christian. It's the wonder of being a child of God. That you have got the, the, the blood of Jesus on you. Which gives you permission to enter the holy place, to talk to the Father, to intercede for your loved ones, for the nation. What an honor, what a privilege. Intercession, a precious, wonderful thing. And yet we don't do it. Don't do it because we don't maybe realize it, don't understand the necessity of it and how important it is, the privilege of it. So you can see there is a progression in prayer right through your Bible. You never have to say, there's nothing I can do. Even if you think it's not God's will, you can, if it provided it's a good thing, you can use supplication. When you've got the prayer of faith and you're still not breaking through, bring it to the church and we'll pray together. If you're still not breaking through, fast. And point seven, at all times, remember the importance of thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his gates with praise. I don't think that God can resist a grateful child. And my son, he's got his faults and he's got his feelings. But I tell you this, all his life, he has been grateful. And I I marvel at it because I'm not like that. He's just blessed with a good disposition. And when you would give him something when he was a kid, like you give him, you know, a bag of sweets or something, he'd go, whoa, thank you. Thank you. And he really meant it. Now you say, whoa, he's really got a grateful heart. And he began to grow. And now he needs this or that. And you give it. And I, to this day, I marvel at James's appreciation, respect, and honor for that which he would be given. Do you know what that does to me? It causes me to give. Because I'm not damaging you. I'm not hurt. Believe me. Believe me. If anything that I would give him would harm him or spoil him, I wouldn't give it. Even if he hated me for it, I wouldn't give it to him. Because I love him and I want him to succeed. So I wouldn't bless him. But the great thing about James is I can always bless him. And I can bless him more than he would even ask or think. All because of one little thing, a trait. He's thankful. He has a grateful and thankful heart a grateful and thankful heart opens the gates of heaven. In all our prayers, in all your supplications, remember to thank your God. Now, I don't know what you're praying about this morning, but God has been absolutely moving in this church in terms of prayer and faith. Stay with it, guys. Five weeks ago, Pastor Illumide spoke on Sunday night on faith, and I sat there. Do you know, listen to me. Look at me. It's important, really important. He started to speak up here on faith, and do you know what happened as he began to speak? Half of you started to fall asleep. (laughs) There was nothing wrong with his preaching, let me tell you, but you've got to fight for some things. You've got to fight for them, and as he began to bring out the truth of faith, and power and seeing an answer. The more he brought that word, the more sleepy and the more fighting had to be done. Right? And I felt it in the room. And when he came off, I said, whoa, man, you had a battle. Because it was something good. And you were being opposed in the spirit realm. And the silly thing about most Christians is they don't fight back. <laughs> i feel tired. What did he say? Yeah, man. And missed the point that it's a day of battle. Now I hope you're, I mean, what I mean by staying with it is this. Get with the game plan. First of all, he's got nothing in me. First of all, you clean your temple. And then you combine that with faith. Faith works. You start to put the two together. Well, you've got a clean temple. You're interceding. You're praying. And you're putting your focus on the power of the Word of God. And we start to see breakthrough. Personally and collectively. I thank God for this church. I really do. I started telling you about two years ago that we would be 3,500. Some Christians are terrible, you know. They're always poured cold water. Don't they? You say something good, huh? No, it'll never happen. Do you know in this place, not one person has said anything to me other than trying to figure out where do we put those people, how do we transport them, and I've been listening From the first moment I said that there has been no doubt just figuring out and moving towards the goal. Hallelujah. I don't think we can get there without prayer. Collectively all being on the same page and hitting the goal, the target for which God has brought us together. I invite the worship team back. Let's just stand one moment. Could I ask Pastor Elia to come? And just pray for us as a, as a church. i give you a moment to reignite your prayer life, to reignite your faith. Father, Father God, God forgive us. If in any way we've been silly or immature or childish with regards to the great honor you've given us to be born again believers with a Bible in our hands. God sharpen us up. Sharpen us up God And I pray for the the rekindling of faith in this place Faith for old words that we had Promises you gave us That we will not let them go Words that you spoke and maybe we've let it Dwindle and dwindle Well this morning you need to know that a smoldering wick He will not snuff out And you may just have a flicker of hope inside you But reignite that hope this morning You talk to God right now Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join us. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the End Times Harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.